Okay, here we go. Welcome in to the DNVR Avalanche podcast presented by DraftKings. Head on over to DraftKings.com and use a promo code DNVR when you are signing up. Jesse Montano alongside AJ Hayfley on a real cold, gross, snowy day. This really is like our first big snowstorm, though. So um, as someone who hates winter, I'll take our first big storm being in February. Uh, AJ, how are you holding up? You staying warm? Yeah, I'm good. Nestled away in the basement. You, uh, it looks like you, you trimmed down the winter coat though, eh? Yeah. Trimmed it up. Looking good. Yeah. I did it right before it snowed. Cause I'm a moron. <laughs> yeah, bailing on all that warmth, but, um, you and I were talking that when we did the show the other day, you and I were both saying that we had some errands to go run before all the snow. So I am glad to see that, uh, you were able to get that done before you were, not that we're actually stuck in our houses, but who wants to go out on a day like today, right? I mean, the abs, the abs sent out their schedule, February second through the seventh, no practice. Yeah, I thought that was a hilarious, uh, hilarious email to get. It was like yeah. five total words in it. Well, especially, uh, especially because I saw somebody who was advocating for Bedner bag skating the abs at practice today. <sighs> And it was just like no practice for a week. Yeah, I, uh, I, I don't know. I've Tough got. I know you. I, I know you guys did a. a <laughs> I know you guys did obviously the post game pod last night. So I'm not gonna <coughs> get into last night really nope. at all. But I do just want to say one thing because um, Landy and and Miko did their post game presser and they were both very <coughs> salty. Didn't weren't happy with the fact that they lost. Um, weren't happy with the way that the team played, uh, you know, any of that, that the losing streak came to an end. Uh, Jared Bednar came in, was definitely a little bit more upbeat. Um, and I asked him, I was like, Hey, does this kind of taint this winning streak at all? The way it ended kind of the effort. And he said, no, he gave, you know, a typical kind of Jared Bednar lengthy answer. And I followed up. I said, so this doesn't leave a bad taste in your mouth for 10 day break. He said, no, not for me. I'm proud of the way that our guys have played. They've competed real hard. It's been a really tough condensed schedule. They're tired. They're fatigued. And I'm really proud of the way they played. Um, so it has just been funny. Uh, the Avs just won 18 straight at home, 10 in a row. They pull out a point last night. Was that the effort you wanted? Absolutely not. But I think everyone could stand to take a little bit more of the Jared Bednar um, approach today on Twitter. That sucked. You were going to lose eventually. Uh, Still got a point. Of, got a point. Got to be proud of the way that they've played. It, it's, it's been a tough schedule. Um, we are going to talk about Jared Bednar, and uh, that's really what we're going to kind of do today. We're going to talk about him. We're going to take you guys' questions. AJ put out the call uh, on Twitter about 20, 30 minutes ago. Oh, it's already 115. So about 30, 40 minutes ago now. Um, if you're wanting to get a question in, head on over there and just drop one in uh, in the replies to that so that we can make sure we get to um, everything we can. Uh, AJ, anything else before we kind of start diving into these? No. No. Well, there we go. So you have the uh, list of questions. I know you've got some that you've already kind of starred and liked and stuff. So mm-hmm. I will let you go. Uh, kick it off. Yeah, let me uh, let me be super on top of it because I know how to do this. Yeah, we always are. We're we know how to do everything and we're always on top of our shit. 
first question it's uh it's the big one it's the one that inspired the title of today's show and i thought we could have an actual conversation about it also yeah. the conversation going on in our chat about our stool i will refer to morgan's comments and say that that would be accurate um dallin troy asks what's it going to take for benzy to get into the coach of the year convo any other awards that are realistic for the skaters I would say, obviously, Kale McCarr um, for the Norris this year is absolutely a real conversation. Yep. I don't think that there is going to be a heart conversation for anybody. Um, I don't think that... No, I'm not a fan of this. Uh, I don't think that... Um, I, I, I mean, I, Kemper I, for Vesna. I don't... I'm Lady Bing... You know, there's there's, no, there's an, not anybody for the Selkie. Right. There's enough season left that you can talk yourself into a guy making their way into a conversation. There, um, there, there could totally be an Avs player who gets some down ballot votes on the heart, like a Nazem Kadri, if he keeps it up or whatever, yeah. could totally get like fourth or fifth place votes. But in terms of like a real contender to win an award... I would say not at the moment. It's Makar for the Norris, which is weird because no Av has ever won that. Yeah. And I, I would even say not only is he in the conversation, that I, I think if you're doing it, if you're voting today, he's got to be the favorite right now uh, to win that. Sure. Um, the Jack Adams one, though. So back to the root of this question. This is something that he was in the Jack Adams conversation um, the year they lost to Nashville in the playoffs. And he yeah. hasn't been back in it since. And it's been really puzzling <clears throat> to me, given what he's done with the roster and the way that it's looked at times. Um, do you have any thoughts on why he's never been even in that conversation, let alone win it? Well, so the, I mean, he did finish third that year. I thought it was and second. Was it second? Okay. I couldn't yeah. remember if it was second or third with, I think it was Cassidy in Boston was the other one that was. Yeah. Uh, finalist mm -hmm. um and i think that this is just sort of how the jack adams gets awarded in the nhl um you look at the year that bedner finished where he did was that his best coaching job uh no i don't i don't so. i don't know i would i would probably agree with you and say probably not i think his best coaching job was the next year the 90 point season where they probably shouldn't have made the postseason Right. Um, I thought that was his best coaching job. Um, but it's it's always there is I always say that it's a goaltending award, as Billy is alluding to here in the comment if you're watching. And the reason that I say that is because if you go through the history of the Jack Adams, there is a one there is a direct correlation between guy who wins the Jack Adams and a goaltender who happens to either have the best year of their career or in the case of an elite, an elite guy, which happens sometimes, like a high-end season, like, a, well, like one of the best seasons from a very, very good player. The last Avs coach to win Jack Adams was Patrick Waugh in the same year that Semyon Varlamov was the runner-up for the Vesna. A lot of that. And you see Gerard Gallant will win the Adams. Who's your Vesna front-runner? Just proving my point right, right, right here. So this is, 
the way that it gets, the way that coach of the year gets awarded in the NHL is not the guy that does the best coaching job or whatever. It's the guy that either has the injury depleted roster that makes the postseason, or the team that was that missed the postseason last year and took the biggest leap forward this year. It almost kind of becomes the overachieving award. Yeah, it absolutely is. It absolutely becomes the overachieving award because it's yeah. it's all about preseason expectations and how a team performs based on those because we decide how good teams are before the season starts that's how we decide how good of a coaching job somebody has done Mm -hmm. so you know like that's that's how the jack adams gets awarded on a regular basis you're gonna you're gonna look at um the jack adams this year it's it's almost always it's almost always a team that has overperformed and gotten a league goaltending. Yeah. And, and, and it really is a shame. Cause like, I, I don't know if there's any GM of the year questions in here, but like, that's another one to me that is so frustrating where to your point, the one year that he was, that Jared Bednar was up for Jack Adams. I, I, I think he's kind of out coached himself every year since. <laughs> and is, you know, this year, I, I, I won't lie. Like, I was a little disappointed when those like mid-season polls come out and it's, it's you know, a, a handful of writers and stuff. So it's not that big of a deal. But when you really step back and look at what Bednar had to do with this roster in the earlier part of this season, they've had a nice little stretch here where they've stayed healthy and had a bit of a consistent lineup. But the fact that he, after that four or five and one start, the results that he got out of this group, given the injuries, given the roster shakeups, the COVID, the breaks, Again, I'm not going to pound the table for him to win. And I don't don't think it's that big of a thing, but I absolutely think that he's done one of the better jobs in terms of managing his team this year. And that's what this award is supposed to measure. It was the same thing the last couple of years with Joe Sackick, not even being a finalist for GM of the year. Yeah. Well, so Um, GM of the year is a little different because it's voted on by a different voting block and it's voted on after the second round of the playoffs are finished. Mm-hmm. And it's almost always three of the four conference finalists get GM of the year, and the guy that's like Sackett finished fourth last year. Mm-hmm. And it's like, okay, so if they beat Vegas, does he win? Right. His his job, he would have done a better job. He would have been in that top. Like, it's it's GM GM is one that I completely ignore because um, it's voted on by completely different people and the timing of it. Like these are regular season awards. Right. And for some reason, GM of the year gets voted on after the second round yeah. is over. And yeah. you can just be like, oh, well, the teams that made it to the uh, conference finals are the, those are the GMs of the year. Great yeah, job, wow. Mark Bergevin, a- who's now unemployed. Right, right, right. Yeah, wow. What a great job they did building these teams. Um, yeah, th- those, I, I really do. I think a lot of the awards are have merit. And usually I think, for the most part, they get them pretty right. You know, the PHWA, I think, does a, a, a for the most it's, part, a good job. It's certainly a lot harder than people think. That oh, yeah. When you sit down and try and come up with, who's the best defenseman in the entire NHL this year? Right. It's like, well, lots of things to consider. This is tough. Well, and, and you know, the East Coast bias thing, I definitely do think is a real thing. But there is the other element of it, too. Where to the point you're making right now, it's hard as fuck to watch 
every game mm-hmm. to get a good enough look on every player that you feel like you can confidently say, I know who's been better here or there. So there is a lot of this stuff where, again, I think that's where kind of coach of the year comes in. It's easy to just step back and be like, uh, cool. Where do, wow. I had them 10th in the East and now they're sitting in third. That's the, my Jack Adams. The big exception here that I think the one that confuses me is Rod Brendamore, who I yeah. think is a great coach. Who's done a great job in Carolina, but he's always in these Jack Adams conversations and Carolina is always picked to be, the last several years have regularly has regularly been picked to be at the top of their division and they finish there. And it's like, what an amazing job he's done. And it's like, is Jared, like is Jared Bednar, John Cooper doing a worse job than Rod Brindamore right. when they are also picked to be at the top and they finish there. Right. Like, it's just um, like, is Pete DeBoer doing a worse job than Rod Brindamore? Like it's, it's an odd, it's the, the Rod Brindamore thing is the one that I don't totally understand. Cause I'm just like, why is he kind of immune to this? And then of course you look at this year and what does he have? A Vesna candidate and Freddie Anderson. So it's like, huh? Okay. Yeah. yeah he gets the votes because he, he plays shirtless ultimate Frisbee with his team. Dude is jacked. I will say I've gotten a couple of people who have been like, well, AJ, how come Jared Bender never finishes as a finalist or is never in contention for the Jack Adams? Joel Quenville, you want to know how many times he won Jack Adams? So Any once? guesses? Is, is your guess once? Yeah. Once in 1999-2000 as head coach of the St. Louis Blues, they had a 114-point season the year after they had an 87-point season. All of this tracks with how this award is handed out every single year. So we spent uh, we spent the entire first period on this question alone, but I thought it was an interesting one and I wanted to talk about it. Yeah, no, absolutely. And um I I don't I don't think there's really anything short of Vancouver storming back and making the playoffs. Um the Bruce Boudreaux thing has been like a fun <clears> story, <throat> but they were gonna get that kind of bump with any coach. Yeah, any so coach Bruce Boudreaux is a great example. They're gonna he's he could get coach of the year because he shows up and takes a team that was that's nowhere. And if they sneak into the bottom of the postseason in a bad division, it's because he was an amazing coach. Yeah, AJ, duh. And I'm I tend to think Bruce Boudreaux, Bruce Boudreaux is a very good coach. Yeah, I do too. I, uh, I mean, I just talk about someone whose record kind of speaks for themselves. He's never gotten it done in the playoffs, but how many consecutive years with like three different teams did that dude win his division? I think it was the first nine years he was a head coach. Yeah. He won, yeah, he, he won the division. Yeah. I was going to say, and I thought it was nine, but yeah. So, I mean, he, he, he can strike the right nerves. Um, but yeah, he's never been able to get him over that hump. Uh, but I agree. I think he's a good coach. Um, well, yeah, let's, yeah, we went a little long in that one. So let's wrap up this uh, first period here. Uh, and I want to tell you guys actually about one of our uh, newest and most exciting partners. Um, Athletic Greens. If you guys haven't heard of Athletic Greens, uh, when I brought some home the first time, uh, Hannah, my girlfriend, was very, very excited. Uh, She had seen Athletic Greens being talked about on social media and stuff. um, 
and they're, they're, it's, it's a really cool product. So it actually, I've got one sitting right here. Comes in this nice little tub. It's one scoop into your water uh, every day. It's lifestyle friendly, whether you eat uh, keto, paleo, uh, vegan, dairy-free, gluten-free. Uh, it's got you covered. It's essentially kind of like a, a, a little meal replacement is the way that I've kind of been describing it to people that, that I know. Because you drink one uh, and you feel full. It gets you going. It's got 75 high-quality vitamins, minerals, whole food, source, uh, whole food sourced superfoods, probiotics, and adaptogens, a word that I learned recently. Uh, it helps you start your day right. It's a special blend, blend of ingredients that supports your gut health, your nervous system, your immune system, your energy, recovery, focus, and aging. Basically all the things. It, uh, it, it takes care of all of it. In just one scoop costs you less than $3 per day and you are investing in your health and then it is cheaper than your cold brew habit. Um, and honestly, guys, there is so much of this stuff where you see the, the green scoop go into water and you kind of wince. Um, I've had it. I like it. We add a little bit of a, of like a little flavor booster to it. Uh, and it's actually pretty refreshing, uh, to get your day started. Like I said, there's some mornings I wake up and I'm just not wanting to go through the whole trouble of making breakfast. I drink one of these and it fills me up, gets me covered, uh, or it has me covered there for the next, uh, next few hours. Tons of people take some kind of multivitamin and it's important to choose one with high quality ingredients that your body will actually absorb. And AG one is a small micro habit, uh, with big benefits. It's one thing you can do every single day to take great care of yourself. Uh, and to make it easy, Athletic Greens is going to give you a free one-year supply of immune-supporting vitamin D and five free travel packs with your first purchase. Go to athleticgreens.com slash avalanche. Easy to remember. Uh, that's athleticgreens slash avalanche. Take ownership of your health and pick up the ultimate daily nutritional source and get those uh, that, that one free year supply of immune-supporting vitamins Again, that is athleticgreens.com slash avalanche. Really exciting, fun new partner um, that I'm I'm personally really enjoying. Uh, also brought to you guys today by Breckenridge Brewery. And you guys know that they are the official beer of DNVR. DNVR. You guys know that we love our Breck brews in Celsius. Celsius, I can't speak today, apparently. Uh, but we love even more is this summer. The fact that Breckenridge Brewery is teaming up with the National Parks Conservation Association. The tragic fires that hit Colorado at the end of last year, um, they're absolutely devastating for so many. And uh, it's one of the many reasons that Breck is donating 1% of all their profits this summer to the National Parks Conservation Association. Um, that's right. If you buy one pint or a pack of Breck brews, you are donating 1% to our great outdoors. We'll be hosting fun events at the DNVR to uh, promote this awesome collaboration. And so come on down, drink a Breck brew or a Celsi, uh, and go away with some swag, knowing that uh, you just helped make a difference in our state, uh, in our great outdoors. Go to breckbrew.com slash in good co that's freckbrew.com slash in good co for more details and yeah come on down and and try an avalanche that's uh aj i think drinks those kind of like water uh or rudo did i say aj yeah uh i like the uh i actually avalanche is a good beer i do like avalanche the avalanche is good one and i i i, I was set on our last or the the last show i was on I'm not an IPA guy, but their Juicy Drop IPA, 
I had two the other night. I am not an IPA guy. Um, everything they make is just so good. Um, all right, second period here, DNVR Avalanche podcast brought to you uh, by DraftKings. AJ, what uh, what do you got next? What do I have next? All right. Andrew Wolf actually wants to know about us. Uh, he says, what kind of preparation do you guys do before the show? Do you discuss what you're going to talk about? And I would say it depends on the show. Um, like today's show with it being a Q&A, not a lot to prep for. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> most of our post-game stuff, we kind of just build as we, we build off of conversations that we have because we all watch the games together and stuff. So mm-hmm. uh, we sort of build a lot of our post-game around conversations that happen during the show. Our off-day shows that are not Q&A shows, we usually have topics that we we want to make a point to hit on. Um, so we do we do quite a bit of prep for shows, but it's not like it was where you know we no longer have like full. Here's our rundown. Here's what we have to do. Here's this. Here's that. We're a little looser than some of the other beats um, that are a little more. I guess if you want to call it organized, you can. Uh, but really, I've done both ways, and I'm a lot more comfortable in our current iteration than trying to force topics all the time. I like just letting conversation be conversation. Yeah. Our off day ones, we definitely spend a little bit more time putting them together, at least since I've been back, just cause yeah, you've got to find 45 minutes worth of stuff to talk about. Yeah. So we typically have a, a kind of a basic outline. <clears throat> um, but no, the, yeah, I, I think what you said, like there are some days where just like the content kind of writes itself mm-hmm. and we just kind of talk about it. Um, Alex Ovechkin will not participate in the 2022 NHL All-Star game. Yeah, tested uh, positive for COVID today, which is very uh, predictable. And Tom Wilson is replacing him. So <laughs> that will go over well with people. Yeah. Um. Did we put Billy's uh, Athletic Greens comment up? Because seriously. Yeah, we did. Feel, feel better and stuff. Um, next question from Ronnie Yurick. He says, who's a perfect fit in your minds for a middle six acquisition for the abs for a deep run? And then th- this offseason, Philip Forsberg or Tomas Hurdle is a better fit. So first question, is there a middle six guy that you have identified as the guy that you think would be a best, the best fit? I, I, you, can't, I guess... you can't say like, you can't say like Claude Drew because that's not a middle no. six guy. <laughs> or Joe um... Pavelski. <laughs> Well, I, I don't necessarily know if it's like the perfect fit, but one guy that just has made way too much sense to me, the times I've watched him this year, he's not the player he was before, but I still like him. And I just think it makes a lot of sense is Phil Kessel. Okay. Um, I, that, that's, yeah. I thought that's, I thought that's where you were going to go. It's just, it's, it's one of those things. I, I was actually, um, I was talking to someone in the press box last night and I just pulled up. He's already got just shy of a mil and a half retained by Toronto. Um, you know, Arizona is going to be willing to eat half of that for the rest of the season. Um, he, he won't, he wouldn't cost you anywhere near as much. Um, and, and it's another just kind of easy goal, um, guy. So just off the top of my head, that's someone to me that <laughs> I've kind of just had, um, pegged all year is makes, makes sense for this team. 
Uh, I would also note that from an owner's perspective, they would love it because his actual salary is only a million dollars this year. Right. So they would only have to pay him like 200 K. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I, and I know there's people that for some reason are like against that. It's me. Well, I know. Well, I, I, and I don't, I really don't get why it's just, it's such an easy little plug-in. He's not the player that he was. He's not going to give you a ton of hard, you know, defensive minutes. True. Um, but I just think that's a, that's a, it's an easy, if you strike out on a couple of your top targets, um, I think that's a totally serviceable guy. Uh, I continue. I, I've been saying this for a while now, but my answer is Jonas Donskoy. Yeah. Yeah. Especially, especially if, let's just say for funsies that the abs also do get somebody else and they, uh, a top six guy. And then they also get a Jonas Donskoy. And then your third line going into a playoff series is Val Nachushkin, Alex Newhook and Jonas Donskoy. Just saying. Yeah. I, uh, I've got a little bit of a bad taste in my mouth from the putting the old band back together after last year's trade deadline. Yeah, but you're also talking about, you're talking <laughs> no, no, like Carl Soderbergh was washed and then Patrick Nemeth has actually just legit hit the wall. Oh yeah. No. And, and, and I, I say that mostly kind of tongue in cheek, um, but I, I would personally, I would love to see Jonas Donskoy come back and end the season with like eight goals in fucking 20 games or something like that. Yeah, I'm, hilarious. I'm not in on Arturi Lekkinen, but the ads have liked him previously, so who knows? Um, um, and just second just so, part of that question. Real quick, real quick. We are going to get so much into all the trade deadline yeah. stuff. I have I have a DM that I I haven't responded to um, because it's asking a bunch of trade deadline questions. Um, so Brian, if you are listening, I see your DM. I'm not ignoring you. Um, but literally everything that you asked and laid out, we are in, we are like in the process of getting into. So we're going to have all kinds of stuff. We're going to talk about JT Miller, um, Tyler Toffoli, all of these guys that you guys have questions on, we are going to get into yep. at some point. Second part of Ronnie's question was offseason Philip Forsberg or Tomas Hurdle as a better I fit. I can't stand the way Philip Forsberg skates. <laughs> <laughs> Okay. I mean, I like Hurdle. <laughs> I'm, Hurdle has the center versatility to him where he can play yeah. center or wing. Um, so you get him, you put him on Alex Newhook's wing. If, if Newhook, for whatever reason, doesn't translate as well, then you have obviously Hurdle can play down the middle for you. Um, and then Newhook can drop down to 3C or whatever. And right. You kind of have yeah. like this year's type of alignment again. So um, I don't think either guy is coming to Denver. Yeah, uh, but I I think that Hurdle's probably a better fit. I agree. Can't can't really go wrong. Philip Forsberg rules. So Philip Forsberg also, I was pointing this out to you guys just a couple weeks ago. He puts his socks over both the tongue and tendon guard of his skate. Weird. And I just I can't stand to look at it. I can't stand the way he skates. But it would be kind of fun to finally see that pick come all the way back. Yeah. yeah, yeah, a little full circle. Mm-hmm. Um, Gary wants to know: Is there an ideal first round match, first round opponent for the Avs in the playoffs? Are there other matchups in the first round that would be compelling to see around the league? 
just looking at standings mm. right now. Yeah, the, the <clears> second <throat> part of that's real because I, I don't <clears throat> I don't think that there's really an ideal matchup for the Avs. I will say the one team that I don't want the Avs to have to deal anything with is the unpredictability of Dallas in round one. Mm. I don't want to mess with it. Um. Yeah. Yeah. As in term, um, that's that's not an ideal match. Obviously, like if they got if if they got uh, an Edmonton, if they got a Winnipeg, if they got a Vancouver, cool. Right. I think they could smoke those teams. Um, really, any of the teams out in the Pacific, other than Vegas. Right. Yeah, I agree. Um. Yeah, Calgary. Yeah, any any of those teams compelling uh i i would love to see uh tampa florida obviously yeah i think i think that's the thing that there's gonna be a great series that comes out of the atlantic mm-hmm. because right now it's tampa bay and toronto right you've got two-time champion versus the team that can't get out of the first round yeah uh and if florida if florida does not hang on to that i mean everybody remembers florida and tampa last year and say if Toronto was able to win that division, you know? So, mm-hmm. uh, and right now Toronto, Toronto is eight points back, but they have five games in hand. So that's more of a, you know, it looks like a big, looks like a big gap, but may it's not really be. Not. Yeah. Um, I will. Uh, so I think, I think the Atlantic division is set up perfectly to deliver a great first round series. Who, whoever the two and three seeds are, because the team that lurks there is also Boston. If Boston yep. can can win their way into that top three, you almost would say, I mean, would you rather would you rather not get into the top three and take on the top seed from the Metro? Well, so Carolina so, or the Rangers, right? I was going to say if if you're Boston and you're looking at the two Florida teams and then Toronto, or you're looking at I mean, Carolina, maybe not, but I, I would rather play the Rangers or Pittsburgh if I'm Boston. Yeah, I mean, I don't believe that the Rangers are real. I think there's a lot of Igor Shesterkin is is papering over a whole lot of issues. That, that, so that was one of the ones that I was just about to say. That's a matchup. Whoever the Rangers end up playing is going to be one that I'm going to be really interested in watching. Yeah. It's weird because you're like, oh, I would rather the Rangers because we can crush them every night. But also they have elite goaltending, which is erases the whole we crush them every night part. Right, right. I don't know that I want to mess with an elite goalie in the postseason. Right. So, I don't know. Yeah, I – well, and then, and then I, I tweeted it out last week and a bunch of people were giving me shit. But, like, the Eastern Conference playoff race – is over. It's just seeding now. Um, and so Yeah, you're right. Yeah, it's yeah. It's it's a nine point gap between Detroit the and Boston, only, and Boston has three games in hand. The only team that I'm gonna hold out hope for is my Islanders. Oh, uh, they, they just have they have a ton the games of games in hand. In, they have a ton of games in hand where it's like if they they're they're so far back though that it's right. They, like, have even if they, a, they have to make. They have to basically play 750 hockey for the entire second half of the season um, to get into the conversation. Yeah, to get into it, so that would be the only other team that I think has a serious chance to. Eh, maybe not even a serious chance, but a chance. 
because they've got to get into that. They've got five games in hand on the Bruins who are in the last wild card spot. And even if they won those five in Boston lost, or, you know, even if they win those five, yeah, they're still eight points back. Yeah. Seven it's a points lot of, back. It's a lot of ground. It's a lot of ground to cover. So I, for, for the most part, I think I agree with you. The Islanders are the only team that if something changes there, I think they've got the goaltending to get back at least into a conversation. But for, for the most part, that – you know what teams are going to be there. It's just a matter of who's going to be where. Um, as for the West, I mean, y- you feel shit. I mean, not even like all that comfortable at the top. Like, yeah, I you know, mean, I think uh, I think you're probably pretty comfortable with Vegas is going to be the one seed eventually uh, in the Pacific, yeah. uh, Colorado is in the driver major in the driver's seat. Uh, but I think it'll be the central I think is, is already either it's either Colorado or Minnesota. And yeah. And then I think Nashville, Nashville and St. Louis are the only like that's, they're just jockeying for who's going to be the wild card team. Um, the Pacific, I have no idea beyond Vegas, like Calgary is the only other team I have any confidence in. I don't, I don't feel good about Mm -hmm. any other team in that entire division. So no, I agree. And, and, um, you know, Edmonton, now they've got five games in hand on Vegas, um, but, you know, they're 10 points back. Um, Nashville, like you just said, they're only three points up on St. Louis. St. Louis sitting in a wild card spot. Um, but then other than that, you got Dallas nine points back, um, you know, with pretty comparable games. Things are starting to shake out in the West, but there's definitely be a lot more room for movement than there is out East. Yeah. The separation has kind of started in the central division mm-hmm. where there, I think there's two clear cut top teams. And then there's two national and St. Louis kind of in the middle of the road. I, I, I still, I just don't, I, I just am having such a hard time buying on the wild. I'm not, there's, there's just too many funky things going on there. And outlier type things. <clears throat> They're playing good hockey. They've got, you know, Kirill Kaprizov is a phenomenal player. True blue um, superstar. And a lot of that stuff is true. Um, th- there's just still a lot of things that you are really banking on continuing to go very right. Um, now, I-, I don't disagree that maybe they are a top two team in this division because you got just kind of like a weird pack here. Yeah. Um, do you want to do one more before we uh, get into our last little break here? Yeah, because I think it'll be a quick one. Cool. Uh, Jibble wants to know, who is the player on the block you would move Alex Newhook for? Uh, I, I don't think there is one for me right now. Same. Uh, there is not a... There's not a player on the block that I would move Alex Newhook. Yeah. The yeah. only yeah. reason, the only way that I would move an Alex Newhook is for uh, a player in his prime signed for multiple years who solves something. Yeah. So who, who is. And I can't, I can't even think of who that would be. No, I, I don't, I don't even have an example because those guys aren't on the block. Right. Alex Newhook has shown himself well, shown well enough in the NHL that he has removed himself from shiny prospect status to, nope, he's a player. You don't want to, 
nope, he's yeah. part of the future. <clears throat> he's your Nazem oh. Kadri succession plan. You, yep. you, you, you're just, it's there. You don't we'll see. Well, and for me, dude, he's, he's not even like, he's almost even out of like the, he's part of the future conversation. I think he is kind of what he's like, no, he's a key part of this team now, which will lead to going forward. But any there's, he's shown so much early mixed with the type of potential he has. It's like, I just don't know who you'd go out there and get where you wouldn't say, man, we think that we have maybe this type of player in an Alex new hook that is going to play on our second line. Um, he's kind of, he's, he's out of that prospect conversation for me. Now he is yeah, the key part of this lineup. New hook. The only, the only guy that you move a new hook for is a goaltender, like a Spencer Knight or, you know, <laughs> like a, like a young goaltender that you're going to be able to, you feel confident you're going to have for a long time. Not a guy that's 28 years old, you know, none of that shit. You're going to move it for like a, like a Varley type, like a, a guy who's 22, 23, that you're going to get for his whole prime. Yeah. That's, no, that's the only, that's the only thing that I would move Alex Newhook for at this point. I'm not moving him for a defenseman because you're, you've got Justin Barron and Drew Hellison on the way whatever is going to happen with Bowen Byram uh, is going to happen. Like, you know, well, yeah, I would have put him in an Eichel deal. Totally would have put him in an Eichel deal. Yeah. Um, yep. Uh, if, look, if Connor McDavid goes on the trade block <laughs> in, in two years, then I would have that conversation two years from now. Yeah. Uh, if if Sidney Crosby wants to not play in Pittsburgh for some insane reason, I would have that conversation. Mm-hmm. But that's that's it. Like we're and we're like we're not in the realm of realistic anymore. Right. Right. The the, the Crosby one is the only one that. And even that, I think you're talking a couple of years down the line, and at that point, yeah, maybe why, why, trans- why would Crosby right. want to leave Pittsburgh now? They're, right. they're still doing their thing. So, right. well, and, uh, and Newhook is almost kind of, and and I don't think he'll end up with quite the same numbers because he'd have a ways to go. But he, he's almost kind of reminding me of Miko's rookie season. Put up 20 goals, 18 I think- assists. I, I told Rudo that's exactly what I think he's going to do. I think he's going to have a 35-ish point season, and he'll be right in the range of a 20-goal year. And and <clears throat> that's just – that's not the type of player that becomes part of trades. Yeah. That's, I mean, again, no. you know, you, you look at what Miko is now. Miko is one of those bona fide superstars that you were just talking about. Um, And so, you know, with, with what he's showing this year, I, I don't see – any reason, yeah, had it been Eichel, sure. If, if yeah, echoing what you said, if McDavid says, enough's enough, I want out, and I want to go there, sure, who gives a fuck? Give him whatever. Um, yeah, like, they're, they're unforeseen circumstances at this point, you know, like, if Sasha Barkov asked out, or if Jonathan, <laughs> if Jonathan Huberdeau, if, if Florida was like, oh, hey, we're – we're not going to be able to sign Jonathan Uberdo this summer because his contract is up. Then you're like, okay, well, that's a deal that I would put him in. Mm-hmm. Of course. Right. Yeah. No, absolutely. Absolutely. Uh, I know I said no 28 year olds, but Jonathan Uberdo uh, leading the NHL in scoring. Uh, yeah. That's the kind of bit, guy that I would do it for. Sorry. Bit of an exception. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, Cool, guys. This is the DNVR Avalanche podcast. 
brought to you by DraftKings. We're also brought to you guys by our good friends over at Strava Craft Coffee. This is one of our oldest um, sponsors. Always have loved partnering with them. I don't know about you guys. Anything I can get delivered to me, I am all for. What's even better is CBD-infused Strava Craft Coffee is the ultimate gift for your friends, loved ones, colleagues that suffer from migraines, joint pains, or maybe if they have IBS, like our good friend, Brendan Boat, you must gift them some CBD-infused Strava Craft Coffee. It ships straight to your door, and they will and uh, and they will thank you. Strava is now giving our listeners 25% off their entire purchase when you use the code DNVR25. That's 25% off your entire order at StravaCraftCoffee.com when you use the promo code DNVR25 at checkout. You can also subscribe. Subscribing means to subscribing to Strava means you never have to buy coffee in store again. It'll land on your doorstep every two, four, six, or eight weeks, whichever you'd prefer, and you receive 20% off your CBD infused coffee order every time. Strava also offers CBD infused decaf coffee. So if you are uh, if that's more down your alley, take advantage. CBD infused coffee helps with chronic headaches, joint pain. IBS, and so much more. No coffee jitters. If you want three or four cups a day, I used to work uh, for a guy who would literally, he would do about seven or eight uh, coffees in a day. You could smell the coffee coming off that dude. And he was, he was skin was just like vibrating all day. Wouldn't be the case uh, with our good friends over at Strava. Uh, again, use that promo code DNVR25 at checkout. And as I said, we are brought to you guys by DraftKings. Look, guys, it's the moment we have all been waiting for ever since September. It's finally here in honor of the big game. DraftKings Sportsbook, which is an official betting partner of Super Bowl 56, is giving customers 56 to 1 odds on either team. Either team. Bet just $5 and get 280 in free bets if your team wins. Not a new customer. You can. That's all right. You can experience experience Super Bowl Fifty Six with same game parlays. Combine multiple bets from the same game for a bigger payout. The more legs you add, the more money you can win. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app and use promo code DNVR to get fifty six to one odds on either teams uh, coming up next Sunday. Bet just $5 and get 280 in free bets if your team wins. That's promo code DNBR at DraftKings Sportsbook, which is an official sports betting partner of Super Bowl 56. Must be 21 or older. Colorado only, new customers only. Restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com slash Sportsbook for details. And of course, if you have a gambling problem, call 1-800-522-4700. AJ, did you see that uh, parlay that... uh, guy hit last weekend on the, on the two uh, conference championship NFL games. He hit, uh, he correctly guessed both winner and score in a parlay one over half a million dollars on a $20 free bet. $20. That wasn't even his. And he made half a mil must be nice. Yellow. Yeah. Fuck. No kidding. Uh, third period here of the DNBR avalanche podcast. Of course, brought to you guys by DraftKings. Got a few more questions that we are going to answer for you guys. Um, AJ, what do you got next? Uh, Luke Baker says the team is rolling. Uh, this team is rolling aside from the lethargic performance last night. So my question is, what is the one thing about this club that you could see preventing a cup 
coming to Denver this season. And I would just like to say, I think more than anything else, this is just a misunderstanding of how Cups get won or lost because it's never one thing. What was it that cost the Avs against Vegas last year? What was it that cost them against the Sharks? Right. What was it that cost them against Dallas? It's not one thing. It's never right. one thing. Yeah, and and it's, it's always a combination of stuff. So, I well, I, <coughs> I would say <coughs> the things that the things that concern it. me the most right now, um, I I would say probably. I still want to. I, I I'm not a believer in the PK yet, but I'm getting there. It oh. um, just needs to continue to get better. Um, I want to. I I want to see what happens with Bo and Byram because I think that uh, Jack Johnson, Eric Johnson, third pairing has the potential to lose you a playoff game. Um, I would. I would say. The, the team's kind of weird inability, and I, this is more recency bias, to not close games. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, winning 3v3 is great, but it's not translatable. Winning in a shootout is great. It's not translatable. It's not playoff hockey. So um, their tendency to go through, even in, the good, even in their good games, they would go through lulls where it looks yep. like their energy dips a lot. And execution and things being like what they are, that that happens. But the energy dipping is a thing that concerns me. That they look like they go to sleep for stretches of games. I was going to use the phrase sleepwalking. Um, that is that that to me is the only thing that has been, and I don't necessarily want to say a constant issue, but they have been very good. I asked um, Nazem Kadri and Darcy Kemper a couple nights ago. Uh, after the Buffalo game, because they both said, you know, we don't really feel like we played that great. We feel like we get better. And I asked them, where is it that you guys feel like you get better? And the answer was, well, it's kind of different depending on what stretch we're in. There's things we do well and there's things we don't do well. And then the things that we weren't doing well, we fix. And then we kind of have an, which to your point, AJ, that's going to happen. That is going to happen. But it's, it's the, the, just the, the lulls in play where it's not, it's not even necessarily like an execution issue. It's just, it seems like they take their foot off the gas for 10 minute chunks. And what's great about this team is they are good enough that they seem to have that switch where they can flip it back on and, and get their game back on track. But you get into the playoffs as the series go longer, the games get tighter. Um, You know, the, 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 the scheming against everybody gets a little bit trickier and you just can't have moments where, you can have moments where you get outplayed. That's going to happen when you're playing good teams. You can't have moments where you're falling asleep and you're not executing on your your systems and your your habits. That's been the only thing where it's like, oh, they just have to they got to avoid falling asleep in in some of these games against playoff teams once you get into the playoffs. Yep. Other than that, what's going to prevent it? Other teams playing really well. Other, you're you're playing the cream of the crop when you get to the postseason. Yep, it's. it's uh, I've really seen I've seen a handful of people try and erase away Colorado's Colorado winning the first round, the last three years, 
where they're like, oh, well, this this team wasn't even any good, or they were the second worst team to make the postseason, whatever, you know, whatever. Right. And it's just like, all right, then how come all the other teams didn't do it? Right. If it's so fucking easy to advance in the postseason, how come other teams aren't doing it every year? Postseason success is ultimately where you're defined, but I fully agree. I don't get the complete write off of not. And it, this isn't ex, this isn't exclusive to the ABS. The complete write off of the way that teams played and stuff like that, just because they <laughs> they were one of this year 31 teams that didn't win the Stanley Cup. That means yeah. it's terrible. Like like when the Caps couldn't get past Sidney Crosby's Penguins, and you're like. Right. These are Sidney Crosby's penguins here. Like, well, that that was they're the not one. they're not losing every year to the little sisters of the poor. You know, obviously losing to to Yarrow Halak and the Canadians that one year was a massive Thanks. upset. But like, that's also a thing that we see happens in right. the postseason is that a goaltender gets unbelievably hot and just stops letting pucks get by him. Yeah, well, and that was what made me laugh about the Vegas series last year. Was it's like. You had the two best teams in the NHL. One of them wasn't going to make it to the second round. Right. Like like or the one third of, round, excuse one me. One of them was losing in the second round because they the two the two best regular season teams had to play each other immediately. Yeah. So, yeah, anyway, whatever. Um moving on, next question, we only have a couple left, so um Taylor wants to know, he says my favorite topic this time of year is mid-season team awards. Who do you think has been the biggest surprise so far? The biggest disappointment, most likely to improve an MVP. So I'm curious. We'll go. We'll work backwards because that's okay. where my curiosity has peaked the most. Is MVP? Who's the MVP of the Avs to this point? It's got to be Kadri. Okay, we agree. Yep. Yeah, I think you've had some other guys do some awfully dynamic, show-stopping stuff and they're having great seasons in their own right, but it's Kadri. Okay. Uh, most likely to improve? Most likely to improve or most improved? Most likely to improve. Uh, I'll, I'll, I'll stick with Newhook. I, I think he's only going to get better the more he ramps it up down the, down, the, down the stretch here. Okay. Biggest disappointment. Um, I'll stay on brand. Um, EJ. Okay. I thought, I thought he was going to embrace that, that limited role a little bit, um, a little bit better than he has. I would, I would in a way also agree with Burkoff's game, but in a way also know that his production, he would lead a couple of NHL teams in scoring. Um, yeah, anyway. Uh, biggest surprise? Um, I'll stay on brand again. Uh, and I'll say Logan O'Connor kind of breaking out beyond fourth line kind of tweener into a legitimate middle six key penalty killer contributor. Is he really a middle six guy? I think he is. Okay. He's he's a middle six guy on this team. Put him on most other teams, and I think he's probably playing top six with the way he's played this year. 
All right. Leads me into my leads us into our next question. With LOC signed for three years at just over a million, is that contract one of the most valuable on the team considering his production and contributions? I mean, obviously McKinnon is your best bang for your buck. Right. He might be the best bang for your buck in pro sports right now. Uh, I mean, I think Joe Burrow probably is, but. (laughs) (laughs) Yep. 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 Uh, But like McKinnon. Yeah. Like he's, it's elite here. Yeah. So, um, but after that, you're looking at great, you know, Gerard obviously is great value. Devon Taves at 4.1 million is comical. (laughs) Um, Given that he's a legitimate top 10 NHL defenseman making $4 million. Uh, but after that, after those guys, I think you, I mean, like Kale McCarr at $9 million, like worth, right? Like totally worth it. Miko yep. at $9 million, totally worth it. Well, and I think that's um, why when you, when you look at this team and like on paper, why so many models love this team. Yeah. And, and just, I mean, literally just on paper, this, this may be the best team in the NHL from just a pure roster standpoint, but it's has so much to do with they have so many of these guys that the, you know, LOC this year being at $1 million, he's absolutely outpaced a $1 million player. (laughs) But the fact that he just now has kind of become another guy on this long list of phenomenal value. um, That's, that's why this team just rattled off. 10 straight wins, you know? Well, and you also look at it and you say, okay, well, Gabe Landeskog got a raise. He's making $7 million. Gabe Landeskog is 22nd in the NHL in scoring, tied with Matthew Kachuk and Sebastian Ajo. <sighs> so Gabe Landeskog at $7 million is also a great bang for the buck. Yeah, all of them. Uh, and then, yeah. And then obviously, I mean, Nazem Kadri at $4.5 million. So it's just, uh, it's just rosters. Yeah. It's a, it's a whole slew of guys. So yeah, like moving forward, obviously his million dollars is going to be incredible. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's going to be key over the next few years. Yeah, because you're talking about he's making the same. He'll be he will be making the same money as Ryan Carpenter and all the other fourth line guys that sign million dollar deals over the next few years. Mm-hmm. And the Abs have that locked in, and they know that they do. Yeah. And for from LOC's perspective, it's a smart deal for him to take. That's yeah. That's three million dollars for a guy yeah. that was an undrafted free agent playing. You know playing in the AHL as a full-time AHL guy like two years ago. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Uh, yeah. Uh, healthy scratch his first year at DU. Yeah. Like, I mean, hell yeah. Take that security. Yeah. And at least obviously the worst contract on the ads is it's, there's one, there's one deal that stands out and that's EJ's. There isn't there. I don't, I don't think that there's even a bad deal anywhere else on the, on the, the team. Nope. Um, like Tyson Jost at two million dollars might be five hundred k overpaid. 
Which so what? Right. You know, JT Comfer at 3.5 million. I've always said he was 500k overpaid. And people got mad at me for that when he signed that contract when I said that. Well, and both those guys you just listed, we'll see if they're both still here come playoff times. But those are like the perfect type of candidates to score a couple key goals in the playoffs that push you through, yeah. that get a, a, a game winner or tie a game <clears throat> later, something like that. And it's like, cool, totally worth it. Yeah. Uh, I asked you this before the show. You said that you would have an answer on the show. Our guy, Blakey Wheels, wants to know, what is your favorite snow day activity? He specifies as a kid, but I will extend it to also as an adult. As a kid? Because my snow day activities have changed from when I was a kid to an an adult. So I said I was going to save this because... And I hope Evan's watching because he always gets so upset whenever I say anything negative about the winter. When I was a kid, uh, we lived right by a golf course. My parents lived right by a golf course. Um, and I had some friends in the neighborhood who would, uh, we'd all go down there and uh, we'd sled on the golf course. And it was fucking great because there's hills all over the place. Um, there's all kinds of fun terrain and stuff. But oh my God, let me tell you how much I love snow removal and scraping ice now as an adult. So fun. I look forward to it every year. I'm like, can we just get to winter so I can spend all morning sweating my ass off, getting my clothes all cold and my, my little toesies freezing my face, you know, dripping you know, snot. Cause it's so cold. And, and my cheeks just like hurt a little bit also that I can move snow. It's so fun. I love the winter. It's the greatest season ever. Don't you think so? It was, I, I couldn't stop the fun this morning. There was so much snow to move. I walked outside and I was like, this is my dream. I just have so much fun out here doing all this freezing cold manual labor just so I can get my car out of the garage. It's so fun. I love it. It's my favorite activity. Guys, I'm not sure that he loves winter. <laughs> what are you talking about? And then like you go to the, you run an errand and you know, the parking lot's all muddy and wet because everyone's car has just been running through the snow and then your pants are all dirty. Oh, man. It's it's the best. It's just perfect. What's your favorite snow day activity? So when I was a kid, um, <laughs> when we would have snow days, uh, I would, my parents would record on our video camera I would do walkthroughs of how to spend snow days, different activities that you could do. Hmm. I don't know who I thought was going to ever watch these. I'll watch them. I don't know. I don't know. uh, I'm not entirely sure what I thought I was doing them for or who these (laughs) these instructional videos were for, but I did. I did detailed breakdowns on how to build snowmen and how to do snow angels and how to do other things in my backyard and in the front yard and how to continue to try to play sports outside uh because that was my entire life that sounds like a like a 
like an awesome like middle school project for like a kid that lives in Alaska or something like that. <laughs> like they're for their public speaking class. Like you have to do a five minute video on. They were not five minutes. They were <laughs> they were much longer than that. Hour hour long specials. It was like forty minutes of of little AJ uh, with his very high voice. Uh, just being very excited about being out in the snow because I loved it as a kid. Uh, and then I would uh, I would always start the videos the same way by me running through the back through the back of our house and sprinting outside and then just diving face first, like full nice. on Superman <laughs> diving yeah. face yeah. first into the snow. Love it. As an adult, my favorite activity is hiding from it yeah doing the exact opposite of that that's also my favorite part i was thinking about it a couple weeks ago when i was shoveling and cleaning snow off my car how everything that winter people say they love about winter is just avoiding the winter oh i love it you get inside and you get cozy you wrap yourself in a blanket and you get around the fire oh and it's easier to warm up it's like cool so you like everything that the winter isn't you just like avoiding it that's your favorite part I, I will say not you, I'm just saying in general. This is where this is where this is all very negative and dark. Maybe that guy was right. Um I will I will say one year I did go up to Winter Park and I sat at the bottom of the uh, ski hill the day that the season started mm-hmm. and I just watched people fall down the hill and I just drank <laughs> I did, and I just drank all day. I got I I went up with I went up with several uh i went up with a couple of my favorite people in the world and we just sat there and drank alcohol and watched people fall down the fall down the slopes and had a, had a wonderful time like we were you know fully knowing that in no way am i physically capable of doing any of those things i've never been skiing or snowboarding i don't have any interest i think it's an insane activity but yeah. it's fun it's fun to watch other people do it so yeah um I agree. I uh, weekends were always hockey tournaments in the winter for me, so I never got into any of that. But one, The Grinch is one of my favorite movies ever. Jim Carrey's Grinch. It's absolutely my favorite Christmas movie. And two, I probably wouldn't make a good Canadian because it's too cold. But I asked Joe Sackett last night his thoughts on the snow. And uh he fully agreed. He's like, this is terrible. He goes, we need to get back to summer immediately. And I was like, Joe, that's why you're my GM of the year every year. Let's get out of the fucking winter and get back to, get back to summer every time. 10 out of 10 times. What else we got? Is that it? Yeah. I mean, really different approaches to winter here. I loved winter when I was a kid and now it's more like, snow causes me inconvenience and so i kind of avoid it but i love i love like like yesterday when i uh was out running errands and like you could see the storm kind of like creeping in over the mountains i was like mm. it's coming <laughs> it was very like game of thrones winter is coming ish and i was just like gotta get this done well i feel like, and... we, like we we I, I I like I, I I like getting those errands done, and then I like bundling up inside my house for a day or two because I'm a hermit by nature, and so it just gives me the perfect excuse to be like, I'm not going anywhere. Yeah, yeah. I'm what? gonna watch all the Fast and the Furious movies <laughs> and I'm gonna eat cookies. <laughs> you can't fucking stop me. <laughs> 
I feel like a lot of the the winter stuff gets romanticized when we're in like elementary school and you'd wake up and like we'd have to call the hotline. It's like schools are canceled today and you have to wait to listen to hear if your county was in there. And when you'd hear it, it was just like the ultimate like boom, random vacation in the middle of the week. And so you just that's just kind of like how you picture snow days. But as you get older, they just get progressively shittier. Um, I do have a buddy who uh, his family owns some land and some cabins and they have a lake up there. Um, it's a, it's real tough to get to. Um, it's out in Netherlands. So it, it, they get a shit ton of snow. So you never want to be part of the first trip up to the lake. Cause then you have to be part of the digging out to get up to the lake. Uh, but no, it is always fun to go out there and skate um, in the winter. And then I think it was two years ago or three years ago. Um, I did build a massive snowman with my roommate in the house that we lived in. And that was a ton of fun, but those aren't the parts of winter that people always talk about, or or those are the parts of winter that people always talk about. And everyone forgets all the shitty and inconvenient stuff that goes with it. Yeah. I don't mind winter. Um, I tell you, I'm not going to feel that way next week when I'm in Winnipeg and it's negative 30 degrees and I'm pissed off the entire time. Yeah. Yeah. I can't walk outside. It is what it is. Uh, the things, the things you do for love, my man. Uh, and and uh, but I, I love I, my favorite. I love the fall. I will always love the fall. I love when it's like fifty-five and sunny, and it's got like a slight breeze where you're like, oh, it's almost winter, but that bitch ain't here yet. Yeah, and see, you're in a you're in I a like bad that. state. You're you're in a bad state for that though, because Colorado, we really yeah. we mostly have two seasons. Yeah, it just blows Ex- right through it. Extremely yeah. hot or cold and shitty. And yeah, we get we get like one week of spring and fall, and I'm with you. Those those two weeks are amazing. I love I love when people call me soft because I like the things that I like. It's cool with me, man. Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. I'm I totally good with it. Yeah, yeah. People are allowed to like things um, and not like things like yeah. <laughs> well, and and the so the other thing about like oh, it warms up right away in Colorado blessing and a curse because you get that like half melted snow that all just freezes over again that night. Yeah. And then if it gets cold for a couple days after that, then it is just like slush and half wet everywhere. And so, yeah, blessing and a curse. Um, AJ, let's get out of here. Yeah. You got any final thoughts for today or you good? I'm good. Cool. Uh, I am heading to the airport at about 5 a.m. tomorrow. I have no idea what we're doing tomorrow, if we're doing a show or what the plan is, because you're in transit, Rudo's in transit, and I'm still hanging out, hiding from the snow. Yeah. yeah. Um, ooh, AJ, it's not you. It's me. They're calling soft. Oh, you um, definitely are. But it's also <laughs> it's also totally fine. Yeah. Uh, thank you, Edwin. Yeah, I will be at the airport at about five tomorrow. I am heading out to Vegas um, to cover the all-star game. So I will be bringing you guys all kinds of sights and sounds, um, tweets and all kinds of stuff from there. Uh, so keep a lookout for that. But then otherwise, yeah, we got a little bit of time off here. So everyone kind of enjoy your break. Enjoy the uh, all-star weekend. Let your blood pressure uh, normalize as we uh, ramp up for the end of the season here. And it's going to be a lot of clinched butt cheeks uh, the rest of the way. For AJ Hayfley, yeah. very pro rom com. Chad has got <laughs> this figured out. I'm Jesse Montano. A uh, big shout out 
uh, to Marissa behind the scenes, putting this together for us today. She's been getting trained up on it. Uh, and she, uh, she flew solo today, absolutely crushed it. Big shout out to Marissa. She's also our social media manager at DNVR, uh, helps us out a ton. So thank you to her. Uh, this is the DNVR avalanche podcast brought to you by DraftKings. Thank you guys for listening. Stay warm. Uh, and we will talk to you again next time.